From Washington, this is the CQ Budget Podcast, your leading Capitol Hill source on how Congress allocates federal taxpayer dollars. And welcome back to the CQ Budget Podcast on a snowy day in Washington. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. Most of the government is shut down on Tuesday as we tape because of a little snow. But the Senate is still expected to get back to business tonight because Congress is under a time crunch. It's now staring down a Friday deadline to pass yet another stopgap funding measure to avoid a partial government shutdown. Congressional leaders did clear a path for that short-term funding patch over the holiday weekend by releasing a bill that would extend current funding in two phases, with funding for about 20% of the government extended to March 1st and the rest until March 8. But passing that measure through both chambers by Friday isn't going to be easy, and there might also be now a package of tax breaks they're trying to do that could further complicate this mission. So a lot to talk about today as we dig ourselves out of the snow. And joining me for that conversation are Aiden Quigley, the appropriations reporter at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Aiden. Thanks for having me, David. And Paul Krozak, the senior budget writer at CQ Roll Call. Welcome back, Paul. Good to be back. Thank you. So, guys, here we are again with yet another continuing resolution to extend current funding. This will be the third short-term stopgap since September because of this seriously derailed appropriations process. And there's a lot of politics to overcome this week um, to get this measure across the finish line. So, Aiden, walk us through that. Where are we? What has to happen now? Yeah, so over the weekend, congressional leadership rolled out the text of a CR, which will go until March 1 and March 8. So the laddered approach will remain. You know, I, I think there's been a lot of members of the Freedom Caucus upset about the top line spending deal between uh, Speaker Mike Johnson and Senate Majority Leader uh, Chuck Schumer. But I think that the amount of coverage that they've received to in comparison to the amount of influence that they have on this process has been uh, disproportional. You know, I think at this point we have seen this Congress pass, you know, similar stopgap spending measures twice with large bipartisan majorities and they're going to need it uh, because they're going to be taking this up under suspension in the house for sure. But I, you know, I think if you take a step back and, and you look at the dynamics, like there's little to no chance of a shutdown. Yeah, let, let's just explain what you said there. We, sometimes we get caught up in the jargon when you say they're going to pass it on suspension. It's an expedited process the House has to use now because of this vehement opposition from the Freedom Caucus folks and some other fiscal hawks who are really ticked off, I think is the fair way to describe it, on this, on this stopgap measure. They blasted it within an hour of its release, I think, over the weekend. They said this is what surrender looks like. They were just steamed that this is another stopgap that extends what they would call Pelosi level funding levels, right, from the previous year uh, that they didn't like to begin with. So they don't like the new top line deal that Johnson negotiated. So they're really uh, in a bad mood right now, it's fair to say. And so Republican leadership knows they don't have the votes to pass a rule on the House floor to be able to take up this stopgap bill 
under the regular order, right? Because the Freedom Caucus is going to block that. He know Johnson knows that, so that's why they're going to pass it under what's called suspension of the rules. They just bring a bill right to the floor with with no debate, no amendments. It's just an up or down, but th- it avoids the whole rule problem. But they need a two thirds majority to pass it under this under this procedure. Uh, Aiden, you think they get two thirds? Well, I, I mean, again. They've done it twice before in essentially the same way. The dynamics have not changed significantly since the two previous times that we've seen them do this. I think it's pretty much a slam dunk at this point and just a matter of timing, which is something we always see here. It takes time to get things across the Senate floor. It's already Tuesday. But, you know, I don't think there'll be a shutdown of any significance, you know. Yeah. Democratic leaders have uh, strongly backed this stopgap measure as usual. So you would think they'd have uh, solid Democratic support, which would be enough to get it over the finish line, assuming a healthy number of Republicans join. Paul, you share that view? Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, it it is possible this could drag into the weekend, but even if it does, you would not expect to see a, a partial government shutdown until, um, you know, next week, Monday. So, uh, yeah, I'm... I'm sure that they will get, you know, two thirds in the House with Democratic support and a lot of Republican support, as Aiden said. Well, the first stop on this is in the Senate, actually. Uh, We do expect the Senate to convene Tuesday night, if the snow will allow, uh, because they desperately want to get this moving, right? There's very little time. And the Senate has these cumbersome rules where it takes forever to pass anything on a good day. And the majority leader Chuck Schumer knows that he needs unanimous consent if he wants to speed up the clock here and 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 expedite this passage. Seems to me we're bound to face the the last minute tactics of some conservative Republicans who always like to use their leverage at times like these to win votes on amendments so they can make their political points, uh, and it's, it will suck up some more time, right? So. The process starts tonight with a procedural vote. Guys, back me up. I think it's a pretty sure thing that that vote passes, right? They need 60 votes, which seems like an easy, seems like an easy thing to get. They've got, they, right, they've got, they've got enough Democrats. They just need a handful of, what is it, nine Republicans they need? It seems like they get that. But then the question is, how much of a slowdown is, is there in the Senate? How long does it take them to negotiate amendments and that kind of stuff, right? Yes, uh, but again, looking back at the past two times, we've been in a similar situation, and uh, the you know Republican senators, you know the, the first CR in October passed in one day. You know it, there was no holdup at all in the Senate after the House got the you know got that rolling. I know this one will be slightly different because it's going to start in the Senate, but at the same time, it, we have not seen in the past couple you know in recent this year this cycle. History, we haven't seen Republican senators really drag things out to a significant degree when it comes to funding the government on time. I think the they know where it's, you know, they can see the end result. And I, I don't, unless they want to make some kind of big political stance this time that they did not want to make the previous two times, I really think that um, we're on a, on a you know, we're, we're well on our way to keeping the government open and avoiding a shutdown. And it's, you know, essentially... A sure thing. Paul, you agree? 
Yeah, I agree with that. And I, I also think I, I think the issue of the, the border um, is, you know, maybe the uh, probably the paramount issue with Republicans right now. Um, and I think that takes some of the attention away from the potential of a uh, funding fight. So I think that also uh, contributes to fairly rapid passage. Well, that the border is also why a lot of these uh, hard right Republicans in the House will vote against this measure, right? They're saying no more funding without without border security, and so some of them, some of them are just taking the stance that we're not going to back this until we see a border bill, which isn't going to happen this week for sure. So we know there are those no votes. That's not enough to hold up passage, um, but that's still out there. They still have to do. There's still that issue of how do they get a border deal. That, that can fly in the house and and that would unlock all the funding they want for Ukraine and Israel and Taiwan. Seems like all of that gets put on the back burner for uh, yet another week because they have to focus on this on this stopgap funding. Yeah, that that's right. Um, the um, but the you know some of these same Republicans who are you know saying that. Um, you know that they are they are opposed to this funding deal in part because of the uh, border. If the border were not the issue, I mean, I, they would still be they would still be against this funding deal because it it, it did not cut spending below sure, the caps right. in the deal. Yeah, and again, circling back on on a point David made earlier, you know, the, these no votes are, and Paul just said too, the no votes. Would have been no vote. You know, they're, they're always no votes. They're not part of the coalition that's going to be needed to pass this. They voted no on the previous couple ones, and probably many before that. So I, you know, I think important to note. Uh, but at the same time, you know, we really uh, they're, they're not part. You know, the, the Freedom Caucus and, and their allies who are upset about this deal. Their influence would only really come in if they are willing to try to depose Speaker Johnson, which there's no indication that they have any intention of doing that at this point. And we have to say, I mean, possibly another complication to this, we don't know yet, but possibly another another uh, monkey wrench that could go, get thrown in here is late word breaking Tuesday morning of a, of a new tax package that so, at least some of them want to pass very quickly. The top leaders of the Senate Finance and House Ways and Means Committees just announced kind of an agreement. We're not clear how many people actually support this yet, but the two chairmen have agreed to this deal, which puts a number of tax, would allow for a number of tax breaks. It revives a trio of business tax credits. It would expand the child tax credit and boost some low-income housing. It costs about $78 billion over a few years. It seems like they would pay for that by scaling back this employee retention tax credit that had been created during the pandemic, I think, that has been subject to fraud. They would rein that in, I think, to pay for at least most of this package. But as far as I, my understanding is, it doesn't even have full backing from those committees and the ranking members of them. So not clear how far this gets. I know the Senate Finance Chairman Ron Wyden desperately wants to pass this package by the end of this month for tax filing season. It's conceivable that, you know, if there is enough support, that they would try to attach it to this stopgap funding measure because, curiously, this this stopgap funding measure is riding on a vehicle 
chosen by Chuck Schumer that is a revenue bill. It goes by the name of the Permanent Electronic Duck Stamp Act, some innocuous bill he found dealing with duck hunting, I think. I don't even know the details of it. It's just a mechanism so that the Senate could take up this stopgap funding measure. But the underlying mechanism here is a revenue bill which would allow them to attach a tax deal to it if if it was ready to go, if there was enough support for it. I think it's a big question mark as we tape on Tuesday whether that can happen in time uh, or whether this gets pushed off to next week at least. But it's hanging out there now, we should say, this this new little tax deal, not a major one, but it's a good size little tax package. Guys, any thoughts on that or, or how far it can get this week? Well, you know, I would say anything's possible, but um, it, it, it's hard it's hard for me to imagine that, you know, they they could get this attached to the CR just because, I mean, I don't think we've seen text yet. You know, as you said, there is um, it, there there is so far limited support for this. I mean, I don't think we even know whether leadership supports this, uh, not to mention, you know, the other lawmakers that you mentioned. Um, it, it would certainly complicate passing the CR. I mean, there's been there's been no debate or anything like that on it. So, uh, you know, I, I don't see how it gets attached to the CR, but I mean, there's certainly... I mean, there there may be a serious effort to try to pass it before the end of the month um, in some other form. Yeah. So that's hanging out there. We're going to have to see where that goes, if anywhere. There is a determined push to make that happen from some of them, from some of the top tax writers. But uh, but uh, as I say, not clear how much support that really has, whether it would need a lot of changes to pick up support. I think I share your skepticism, Paul, that they would run out of time to get that ready, even though they've released the outline of it today, you know, to actually get the bill drafted and make sure it has enough support to attach it to the stopgap would seem to be a stretch here to me, but we'll see where that goes. Meanwhile, we do think the stopgap will pass. Unclear to me whether it can pass by Friday at midnight, which is the official deadline, uh, because that's when the first batch of funding will lapse. But if they extend into the weekend, I have a feeling we might be working this weekend, guys, but you know, <laughs> to get this done, I think. But uh, if they extend into the weekend, there would be no real uh, harm here. I mean, I, you know, the government doesn't really reopen again until the following Monday. And this is only about 20% of the government that would lapse anyway under this under this first deadline. So they might have a little time to stretch it if they need to. So I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you guys expect it to pass by Friday or you think it's going to take a little longer? Uh, you know, it, it hard to say, but I think the point that you made about you know, if, even if it does go to mon- you know Sunday, Monday, there, there won't be a major effect on government services caused by a little bit of more of a delay, even though I, I think they'll probably get done, you know, done on time. Okay. And so meanwhile, Aiden, um, this is necessary, this third stopgap, because, because uh, appropriations still need yet more time. This is for the fiscal year that began last October. So how many months has it been now? October, November, December, January, February. We're well into the new fiscal year. They do have, as of a week ago, they still they do have this top line spending deal again, finally, which could give 
Mike Johnson a lot of heartache from his from his party. A lot of them are unhappy with it. Aiden, where do, where do you think things stand? Can, how how much longer now can they get these bills, these final bills drafted in the in the next few weeks, and actually what get them get them passed in some bundles pretty shortly? Yeah. So this is the most interesting time of the year, I think, from an appropriation standpoint, where appropriators are hammering out the subcommittee allocations, which are also known as the 302Bs. There are negotiations going on now between Senate Appropriations Chair Patty Murray and House Appropriations Chairwoman Kay Granger trying to settle those. But where, you know, they start, those started after the top line was announced last week, where we're stretching into a second week of those where, you know, they were really hoping to be done by the end of the week last week. But Obviously, that hasn't happened. I think one major sticking point, which is something we reported on last week, is uh, Homeland Security funding, which Speaker Mike Johnson is taking a really kind of interesting approach, uh, different approach, you know, for for a Republican speaker in trying to push down the amount of Homeland Security spending when Republicans normally want to boost Homeland Security spending and defense spending. Those are and, and veterans are the, like the main focuses for Republicans often. But in these nego- in these talks, Johnson is thinking that if you fund Homeland Security at a lower level in the annual you know, fiscal 2024 appropriations process, that could inspire the Biden administration to make some concessions on you know, migrant and border policy, which is what the Republicans in the House want. Yeah, that is an interesting tactic that you reported on, Aiden. Folks can look at that story on CQ.com because it is unusual for, you know, after Republicans have made such an issue out of the border to be advocating a lower level of spending on that uh, as, a, as a way to push for policy changes. It might work. It might. I, I guess it might drive the Biden administration to to cave on some policy changes. It could also backfire on Republicans in an election year where Democrats can easily accuse them of trying to cut money for border security, right? Yeah, I think that is kind of where they would open themselves up to an attack from Democrats. Um, but it's definitely an interesting wrinkle in this uh, in, in these talks. And you know, I think Democrats will also be saying, like, look, at, we're trying to do something on the border, especially if the Senate can reach an, if senators can reach an agreement and pass a major supplemental package, which seems to be a long shot from my perspective at this point. I mean, these talks have been going on for a while here between senators on on border and migrant policy. Um, but if the Senate was able to pass something, then Democrats could point at the House and say, "Look, we passed something that would fix this problem," and Republicans are still running on it without trying to do anything to fix it. Which, of course, Republicans would fire back that the Senate bill wasn't strong enough and we just, you know, go back and forth like we've seen a handful of times before. But I think, you know, the heart of the matter here is it's really hard to make any change, any legislative change on these issues. So the appropriations process is an opportunity to have some kind of impact for House Republicans. Yeah, there's been some indication that senators have reached some kind of understanding on a, on border policy now. But that Johnson doesn't like it, and and it's not going to fly in the House, so that doesn't get them very far. The details still unclear, but uh, and without that package, they can't do the the emergency spending. The Ukraine aid is still on hold. Israel aid is still on hold. Uh, 
Taiwan, uh, uh, you know, Paul, wh- where do you think? Can they, can that happen in the next few weeks anyway, or by next month or? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I mean, as you said, you know, Johnson is, you know, has, uh, you know, drawn a pretty, uh, pretty sharp line, um, on, on the, on the border. You know, I mean, he has, he has been insisting on the, you know, the border control bill that the house uh, passed, which I mean that, you know, there's, there's no way that Democrats are going to agree to a lot of that. So, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's a question as to whether, you know, a deal can be worked out in the Senate that would be acceptable to House Republicans. So, you know, I don't, I don't know whether there's going to be a, you know, a border deal that's passed um, or Ukraine aid that's passed. I, with everything else that's said, I mean, I think it does make sense from a House Republican perspective to um, to provide lower funding for homeland because, from their perspective, the uh, uh, what the federal government is doing is 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 using this money just to process people into the country as opposed to closing the border. So I think from their standpoint, you know, it, it makes sense to to lower that amount of money and, uh, you know, in, in hopes of getting some leverage. Um, but in terms of uh, whether there will be a border, you know, border legislation passed uh, before the election, I don't know. And we should say, I mean, while they have this top-line spending deal, there's no agreement in there on all the policy riders, right? From abortion policy, environmental regulation, and the border, immigration policy possibly. And you know that if these appropriations bills comes up, Republicans are going to push for policy riders on the border in there, in the regular appropriations. So that's another further complication, Aiden. That that just makes a mess of all of these appropriations bills once they come out of the gate, right? Yeah, the lack of agreement on policy riders is something that is extremely significant, I would say, and a bad omen for getting gov- you know meeting these March early March deadlines on you know government spending here for fiscal twenty twenty four. If Republicans are going to dig their feet in and act- and fight hard for policy changes in the appropriation bills, it's really going to be a struggle for them to to. Uh, Get this process done on time, and I think Mar- if if there will be if there's going to be a shutdown in this appropriations process, it'll, March will be the most likely time at this point, um, where if there's a big policy fight over over something, and as we've talked about, the you know kind of far right members of the Republican conference in the House are going to want, you know, they're demanding policy changes, and Democrats are saying we will not negotiate uh, on on policy riders, which. You know, is not a really new position for the minority party to take in the House. That's what Republicans, you know, did in the last Congress in both chambers, saying, you know, we're not going to come to the table to negotiate until you agree to not add any new riders. Um, at least that's you know, uh, appropriations uh, ranking member Rosa Delora. That's what she says. So, you know, it's going to be an interesting fight as we move forward. All right. So before we go, I need a prediction from each of you. Uh, assuming this this stopgap measure passes, they have until March eighth to complete all the final appropriations bills. But as we said, there's all these policy fights still getting in the way here. So, what is your prediction? Do they complete appropriations by March eight in time for the president's State of the Union address on March seven? 
uh, with a with some kind of final appropriations package, or do they end up having to punt on a to do a full year continuing resolution for the rest of the year uh, and just give up? I think they will get done by March. I think that's more likely than not, it, but it could go either way. I think if I, I don't think we'll see another short-term stopgap. I think either they will get done by then or they'll or they'll work out some kind of full-year continuing resolution. Of course, they would have to turn off the caps and the debt limit deal and do a bunch of kind of complicated things. And if we hit that point, that means something's gone off the rails in the you know negotiations you know, negotiation process. But I think with the top line agreement and signs that you know appropriators can get their work done by March. It seems like, from my perspective, that this is the last short-term stopgap and they will pass appropriations in March. At least that's the hopeful take. Paul, what's your prediction? Yeah, just to play <laughs> – that's a tough question. But just to play the devil's advocate, I'm, I'm going to uh, predict a, a long-term CR with uh, lots of anomalies. Uh, anomalies meaning uh, various uh, you know, changes to – um, the, uh, you know, the current, the current, the current funding, yeah. spending regimen. Yeah. And why do you say that, Paul? Well, re- yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's, uh, it, it, it's impossible to predict. Uh, but, uh, I, I, I just, I, I think, I think there is certainly a good chance that they are not going to reach agreement on the appropriations bills. You know, it's possible they might reach agreement on some of them, and then put the rest um, into a uh, an attached continuing resolution. I think that's certainly possible. I think I think they have never not passed um, a defense appropriations bill. So if they don't pass that and it goes into continuing resolution form, that would be a first. So so yeah. I, I mean, I actually I think it's probably more likely that they uh, reach agreement on some of the bills. And then the other bills go into a continuing resolution. Uh, call for splitting the baby there. Okay. Uh, those predictions are so noted, but that's all the time we have for today. We will see who is right in, in, in coming weeks. If you like what you heard here, you should subscribe to the CQ Budget newsletter, which will hit your inbox every morning that Congress is in session. You can find that at CQ.com. You can find all of our coverage on the budget and more at CQ.com or RollCall.com. My thanks again to Aidan Quigley and Paul Krozak for joining me. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. I'm David Lerman, your budget tracker. We'll see you next week. Ooh.